Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us as we gather to hear from God's Word and to worship Him this morning. I just came back from a very good week at Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. Leanne and I and the, and the kids were there for family camp this past week. I was chapel speaker, and uh, it was just a, a great week. The weather was fantastic, and uh, we really enjoyed being able to make use of the new facility. Uh, they were allowed to uh, host meals in the dining room, and so we were in there for all of our meals, and it's just, uh, just tremendous how, how well that new facility works, the design, and everything uh, involved with it. So we're so glad that that's finally coming to fruition, and I uh, got to be a little, a little part of it. The, uh, the chapel is just being finished up in the basement as well, so we got to tour around down there and take a look at things, and I'm looking forward to, Lord willing, being able to uh, lead a full regular camp chapel session uh, next summer there. Uh, in the the new chapel. So we're looking forward to good things on the horizon for Turtle Mountain. Uh, A couple of announcements uh, for you this morning as we begin uh, in regards to our Sunday morning services. For the time being, the church council has decided that we will continue on with our Sunday morning drive-in worship services uh, in the church parking lot and online here as well, Uh, just for the time being. But please stay tuned for further announcements regarding that in the weeks ahead as we anticipate uh, being able to come back inside. Um, Some more news uh, announcements for Turtle Mountain Bible Camp. Uh, They are proceeding uh, with two more family camps uh, ahead in the summer. Those will take place on the August long weekend from July 30th to August 2nd. And the second one is from August 9th to the 13th. So we just came back from one. It it is... uh, a great time, and so I highly recommend to take some time as a family to head down to Turtle Mountain. Uh, day camp is coming here to Clarney on the week of August 2nd to the 6th, and that's for ages 7 to 11, so please register if you haven't already, uh, ages 7 to 11, and you can go to tmbc.ca. And also I'll just put in a plug that they are looking for extra help, so uh, specifically to work with the children that week, It'd be a Monday to a Friday, and uh, they would really appreciate some help. So if that's something that would interest you at all, you can talk to uh, Howard and Kathy or Chelsea uh, Zilstra, and uh, you can uh, volunteer that way and serve the Lord. Uh, There's a One Hope fundraising concert upcoming with Prairie Joe uh, on Tuesday, August 10th, 7 p.m., and that will take place at the Shamrock Center parking lot as a drive-in concert. So that is on Tuesday, August the 10th. So please take note of that as well. As always, for our tithes and offerings, you have two options uh, to give. You can do it through the mail. uh, Checks made payable to the Clarny Mennonite Church. Postmark box 969, Clarny, Manitoba, R0K1G0. Or you can come and stop by the church foyer, and there's an offering box located here for you as well. Would you now bow with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you for answers to prayer. And specifically, Lord, we think of the answer to prayer uh, from these past weeks of sending rain. And you did once more and we thank you for it. And of course, Lord, we pray for more showers and especially for those who did not Uh, get very much rain in this past shower. We pray for them that you would provide the moisture their crops need to grow as well. And we know that you will continue to provide this way. 
We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed your word as it's going out through Bible Camp Ministries and at Turtle Mountain this past week. Thank you, Lord, for uh, blessing me with the opportunity to share your word there this week. And I pray, Lord, that the word uh, will have made an impact on the lives of all those who heard and it will be something they would carry forward with them. I pray, Lord, for the ministry of camp as they continue on into the summer, especially uh, the day camps as they're looking for extra help for volunteers to work with the kids. And so we pray, Lord, that you would send your workers into that harvest and that uh, if there's someone listening today who just feels a tap on their shoulder for that week that, hey, I could be a part of that ministry right here in Killarney, I pray, Lord, you would give a willing spirit that those needs could be, could be met. And so we pray your blessing on those ministries ahead. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your presence in our lives in these days. We ask that you would continue to strengthen us, Lord, with love, with strength, with wisdom, and help us to represent you well, Lord, as we seek to shine your light in this world. May it make an impact on those who have not yet come to faith in you, that they could hear the message, that they could see the testimony, and recognize that you are real, and that you are, you are for them, and that they could put their faith in you as well. And so we pray for that, Father. And now this morning, as we gather, we know that there are many needs represented in our congregation, in our wider church family, so we pray meet each need according to your will, Lord. Be with those in Bayside. Be with those who are lonely. Be with those who are feeling down, depressed, stressed, uh, whatever it might be, Lord. Um, help each one of us to cast our cares upon you, to bring our worries and our anxious thoughts to you, knowing that you lift them from us, and you will meet each one of those needs according to your will. And so we do that today, Father. Thank you again for your presence with us. We bless your name. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today is taken once more from Romans chapter 12. And it'll be another short scripture reading as we will be reading the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So far the reading of God's word. Now, in our last sermon in this series a couple of weeks ago, we focused on that first verse in that passage, the true meaning of Romans 12, verse 1. And there we learned that our entire lives are to be lived in a grateful response to God's mercy shown us through Jesus Christ. And we do that by offering ourselves and our bodies and our very lives to him fully as a living sacrifice every day, every day, and every day until God calls us home. Now today we will be building directly on top of that teaching as we head now into a closer examination of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 where the Apostle Paul writes, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, this verse can be broken down into three segments that all build logically one upon the other to form a solid pillar of truth 
on how to live the victorious Christian life. Now, the first part is the negative command. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The second is the positive command, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the third is the positive outcome of doing those first two things. The the negative, do not be conformed, the positive, but be transformed. And then the outcome is, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so today we're going to principally examine Paul's first two statements of what not to do and what to do, each in turn. So first, the negative command. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now the first thing I'll point out for you is that this world has a pattern. It has a mold, and it's not a good one. In fact, this world's pattern, this world's mold is set not according to godly principles, not according to biblical word of God and truth, but rather the world's principles, the world's mold and pattern is set according to satanic patterns of evil. Now that sounds like uh, a little sensational, I know, to say the world is set according to a satanic pattern of evil. But that is exactly what God's word tells us. Because what this is meaning is that the pattern, the mold of this world is ingrained in the very systems, in the very design and culture of this world, which is apart from God. And it is under the direct influence of Satan who has set up these patterns and these molds. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He gave them this insight about this world and its systems. He said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, And this is meaning our our struggle as Christians is not principally against other people. Okay, That's not where our war is. He says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul is pointing here to not people, but an authority structure of spiritual darkness headed up by Satan. That is where our war is. That is who our battle is principally against. And so here, Paul calls it this dark world. This dark world. And he describes how the power structure and systems of this dark world are directly influenced and controlled by this unseen spiritual powers of darkness, of evil. And so when we read this, we have, to, we have to recognize the truth that the secular culture and our world around us is not neutral. A lot of people have this idea that, that the world and the culture is just neutral if it's apart from God. It's not a big deal. It's just, you know, it's just worldly, but it's not evil per se. However, the Bible says the exact opposite. That in this world, anything that is set apart from God is going to be following a pattern of evil and deception laid out by our spiritual enemy, Satan. And this is why we are instructed directly in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
Now, when it says the world, it, of course, is talking about these systems, not the people of the world. Of course, God so loved the world, referring to the people of the world, that he gave his son sacrificially. But this is talking about the things of the world, the systems of the world, the culture of the world. Do not love them. And if we do, John says, the love of the Father is not in him. So quite simply, the way of the world and the way of God are not compatible with each other. They're not. And as followers of Christ, we must decide which one we will love. Because it can't be both. Now the second thing I'll point out from this verse is that all of us, all of us, every last one, myself included, all of us once followed the pattern of this dark world. For notice the way that Paul puts it. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The any longer directly implies that we once did conform or perhaps even still are in some way. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, Peter tells us much the same thing. He says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So Peter's using the same word, the exact same imagery of conforming to something, to a pattern, to a mold. And he says, do not conform to the evil desires that you once had before Christ, when you lived in ignorance. And this is further confirmed when we remember that back uh, in Romans chapter 5, I believe, where we learned about that under the federal headship of Adam, we are all born under the curse of sin and death. We are all descendants of Adam, we are all under him as our federal head, and therefore we are all born under this curse. And this means that none of us are born neutral or innocent. You know, we don't, so many people think that kids are born, babies are born completely innocent. Well, on one hand, they're innocent in that they haven't yet willfully sinned, but they're not innocent in that under the federal headship of Adam, they already have the curse of sin upon them. So they're not, no one's born neutral and then decides somewhere down the road that I'm going to go God's way or Satan's way. The old saying holds true. That if you're still on the fence, remember that Satan owns the fence. If you're still in the world, remember that Satan owns the dark world. Remember that. This means that our default position, our default position is conformity to the dark world. That's where we begin. And this means that in order to break free from that mold, in order to break free from that conformity, something fundamental has to change about us. Now, do any of you remember Silly Putty? Do you remember Silly Putty? It was that, that gooey Play-Doh-like substance that I think was one of the coolest toys ever invented because it could just do so many different things. Like I said, it was the consistency of Play-Doh, so if you rolled it up into a ball, you could make it like a teeny bouncer. And, and if you bounced it off the floor, it would bounce like a teeny bouncer or even better, back up to the ceiling and back down and back up, and it would go many times. It was that incredibly bouncy. However, what Silly Putty was perhaps most famous for was that if you then took that Play-Doh-like substance and you rolled it flat against any paper, so if you had like a paper uh, comic book or something like that, and you pressed it against it, you could peel the Silly Putty away and that image would transfer onto the Silly Putty at nearly a photo-like quality. I remember doing that many times 
with Silly Putty against a comic book page. And, and the picture would look almost identical to what it had just pulled away off the page without taking anything from the page, incredibly. And so, in this way, that the image would just transfer almost perfectly onto the Silly Putty. In this way, we as people are a lot like that Silly Putty. For whatever it is that we press ourselves onto, that will be the image that we take upon ourselves. So when we press into the world, and we press into the things of the world, into the pleasures of the world, the pursuits, the philosophies of the world, guess what image we inevitably take upon ourselves? Well, I think you already know the answer. And so we must be so mindful of the fact that this world has a mold. It is seeking to conform us into its pattern, into its likeness. And if we do nothing, it happens by default, guaranteed. So we need to be mindful and make a conscious decision that something has to change. Now the third thing I'll point out to you from this from this verse is that we all live under constant pressure to conform to this dark world whether we realize it or not. Now remember that Satan is a cunning enemy described in scripture as a master of lies and deception and he's always adept at using just enough pressure to get us to conform into his mold so that we think and act accordingly. Now one of the most common yet effective tactics that Satan uses against us is cultural pressure or social pressure. This can be best summarized by this statement, but everyone else is doing it. Now, how he does this is that when the vast majority of people are under his influence because they have not yet yielded to Christ, he can subtly use them as influencers against those who are in Christ or are thinking of turning to Christ. And so, here's an example of how Social pressure can be used this way to get people to believe a lie rather than the truth and so be saved. A classic example of a test that was done by a psychologist named Ruth W. Berenda. She and her associates carried out this experiment with teenagers to demonstrate how a person handles group or societal pressure. The plan was simple they brought groups of 10 teenagers into a room for a test. Each group of ten was instructed to raise their hand when the teacher pointed to the longest line on three separate charts. However, what only one person in the group did not know was that the other nine teenagers had been instructed ahead of time to vote for the second longest line. So the experiment would then commence, and the nine teenagers would vote for the wrong line. Now at this, the unwitting test subject would typically glance around at the others in surprise, not believing that this is obviously not the longest line. Why are you putting your hands up? And this look of surprise and confusion would cross their face. And then finally, slowly, after the others continued to hold up their hands, that yes, the second longest line was in fact the longest line, the test subject would inevitably, finally, slowly, sheepishly, raise their own hand to vote along with the group. The instructions were then repeated, and the next card was raised, and time after time after time, 
the self-conscious test subject would sit there saying that a clearly shorter line is longer than a clearly longer line. All because they lacked the courage, the fortitude, to stand out from the rest of the group and be different, to stand with the truth alone. Now, this remarkable conformity occurred in about 75% of all cases. So thankfully, 25% of these teenage test subjects did have the strength and fortitude to stand alone with the truth, but 75% did not. And what this experiment clearly demonstrated was the tremendous power that social pressure has upon us. That even when we clearly know something is wrong, it still has incredible power to get us to conform to the pattern of this world. And this tells us that no longer conforming to the pattern of this dark world not only requires knowing the truth, it also requires having the courage to stand with the truth, even and especially when that means you must stand alone or in the unpopular minority. Because throughout 2,000 years of church history, Christians have consistently and repeatedly been put in the unpopular minority because they refuse to compromise the truth of God's word and conform to the pattern of this dark world. And yes, many times throughout that 2,000 years of church history, many times, standing firm came at a cost, a high cost, and many gave their lives. Which is why we must remember that this teaching directly follows the the previous teaching in verse 1 to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. So this means before you even think about beginning to resist and not conform any longer to the pattern of this world and to be transformed by the renewing of your minds, before you even get there, you have to have made up your mind that you are offering your bodies, your very lives to God as a living sacrifice, meaning your life is forfeit to yourself. It belongs to him as a response of gratitude because of his great mercy. So you need to have made this up in your mind before you even begin going down this path of resisting the conforming power of this world and beginning to be transformed. And so, as we do this, we must remember that it is the power of God through Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who is going to make all of this possible, to not go along with the crowd, to not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So now we move on from this first negative command, and we go now to the second positive command. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now our human mind, as created by God, They are incredibly complex and powerful, with far more ability and capabilities than even the world's greatest supercomputers. All of the bits and bytes and zeros and ones of the world's greatest supercomputers cannot duplicate, replicate what one human mind, one brain is capable of. And further still, our minds never shut off. Now, I know with some people it might seem like they never turn on, but in actuality, they never shut off. For you see, even when we are asleep, our minds are still awake, processing, cataloging, and interpreting our thoughts and memories and experiences, and and all of that is happening as we sleep. The the mind is not shut off. In fact, it it is in some ways more active when we are asleep. 
And so all of this combines into making each one of us, every last person on planet Earth, it makes every last one of us a distinct and unique person, different from anyone else who has ever lived in all of history. You are not me, I am not you, and, and there's no one else like you or I ever in history or ever will be. We are unique, distinct, created in God's image, but with unique personality traits and everything that makes us who we are. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 tells us further still about our thoughts. It says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it is our very thoughts then, what we think in our mind, but it says here, as a man thinks in his heart, this is talking about the inner recesses of our beliefs. It's not superficial. These are deep core beliefs. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so it's these things that are constantly shaping who we are and who we will yet become. So therefore, we must be very careful of both what we think and also what we think about and also how we think about it. For both the subject of our thoughts as well as the way we think our thoughts matter. Let me explain it this way. We often say, does someone look at the glass as half empty or half full? They are both looking at the same thing objectively, saying, you know, it's, it's half, but what is your view? How do you think about it? Are you thinking negatively about it, or are you thinking positively about it? So not only what we think about, but how we think about it matters. And so here Paul is telling us that our thoughts are so powerful that the only way we can actually be transformed is if our minds are renewed. Now, why do we need to have our minds renewed in order to be transformed? Well, remember that, as I said earlier, we are descendants of Adam. We don't begin life as innocent, but rather we are born already under the curse of sin, which includes our minds. So if our minds are to remain in their default position of thinking about and following after our sinful carnal desires and opposing God, then Romans 1 verse 28 tells us, the inevitable result of staying there will be these things. Listen. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over, listen, he gave them over to a depraved mind. Depraved mind. To do what ought not be done. So far from being neutral or innocent, our minds can actually, when left apart from God, rejecting God, our minds can and will inevitably become depraved. Depraved. Now, I know that it sounds quite harsh to say that many people in our world today have depraved minds. But unpopular as that may be to say out loud, that is exactly what God's Word tells us. For what else do we call the sexual sins and perversions that abound and increase all around us, with no end in sight? What else do we call the sex slave trade, quite often of children? What else do we call the murder of unborn babies, legally sanctioned in our nation of Canada to take place right up until the moment the child leaves the womb without penalty of any kind? What do we call these things other than depraved? God's word calls them that. 
And yes, all of these depraved actions and many more are the products of depraved minds who have fully conformed to the pattern of this dark world. And this is exactly why the renewal of our minds is of such vital importance. We can't change our actions or be transformed in any meaningful way unless the mind has been renewed. And this is what we'll get at, how that can happen. You see, a depraved mind leads to a conformed life, while a renewed mind leads to a transformed life. So how then do we renew our minds? The first is this. True true renewal can only happen by the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say that again. True renewal can only happen by the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Quite simply, there can be no true or lasting transformation apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. All the modern self-help books, pop psychology, and power of positive thinking seminars, all those things will do is scratch the surface of a much deeper problem. Those things are like taking an old rusted out car and thinking that you're going to fix it up by slapping on a fresh coat of paint right over the rust. Now, the fact is, I don't care how much trim clad you use, it might look good for a couple of days, but inevitably, that rust is going to start bubbling up and the paint will flake right off. And it'll look just like it did before, if not worse. And it's the same with us. Our sin problem, our mind, our our pattern of thinking is not skin deep. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's deep. It's in our hearts. It's in our souls. And therefore, we need a solution that penetrates to the deepest places within us. And the only one who can do that is the Holy Spirit. So when we first come to faith in Jesus Christ... By repenting of our sin, trusting him as our savior, making him the Lord of our lives, it is then that the Holy Spirit comes to wash us, regenerate us, and take up residence within us. And so today, let me encourage you that if you have done so, if you are in Christ, then the Holy Spirit is already in you. And that means the Spirit right now will be taking the lead on renewing your mind. But in order to make progress, you, the Word tells us, have to learn to keep in step with the Spirit. This basically means we learn to agree with the Spirit. We agree with our thoughts and with our actions by obeying His convictions and leadings within us. So, the first thing is it can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, to renew our minds, we must feed it properly. There's an old saying that goes, garbage in, garbage out. In other words, if you're only feeding your mind with garbage, then don't be surprised when you think about garbage and feel like garbage and garbage comes out of your mouth and out of your life. So when the Holy Spirit gives you that conviction or that nudge or body check, which is sometimes required to get our attention, and you feel that, that he's telling you something needs to change, you need to stop feeding your mind with garbage. And often that comes with a a very sharp point on a certain thing within our lives. I know it's happened to me many times where the Spirit comes along and and he puts a spotlight on something. He says, this is garbage. It needs to get out of your life. It could be a certain type of movies that you've been watching. 
books you've been reading. Uh, it could be what you've been viewing and consuming on the internet or online, or perhaps even just how much time you're consuming online. But whatever it is that the Holy Spirit highlights as garbage, get it out of your life, then to keep in step with the Spirit means you listen, you obey, and you stop consuming that garbage. And the fact is that you can never make any lasting progress with renewing your mind if you are daily just bombarding it with all of the things of this dark world. And that can even include the news that we consume. For almost everything in the news is designed to be dark and negative and fearful because they know that that is what will draw our attention and keep us coming back for more. Of course, bad news is always far easier to sell than good news. It just always is. If it bleeds, it leads. That's the axiom in the newsroom. Of course, knowing this, what we're holding up is the good news of the gospel. And so we've got to learn to wean ourselves off of all of that bad news the world wants to just bombard us with and begin focusing on the good news. You know, as we've experienced in this past year and a half, the steady diet of bad news that our world is feeding us every day, every day, every day, it takes its toll on our minds, and eventually it begins to change how we think and live. For rather than living our life in faith and without fear, when we're constantly being bombarded with messages of doubt and fear, we begin to live out of a place of doubt and fear and apprehension, When the word tells us that as children of God, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. It is not God's will for his children to live in a place of fear and doubt and despair. Now, I'm not advising that we should not be informed of the news to some degree. Uh, That's not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is that we need to learn how to cut down on how much and how frequently we consume the constantly negative news of this world. Because the more that you train yourself to minimize your intake of that news and that negative and harmful messaging of our world, the better off your mind will be because it's not constantly having to combat this negativity that's being thrown at us. Now the second part is just as important as the first, that rather than feeding our minds with garbage, we learn to start feeding our minds with high-quality nourishment. This, of course, begins with consuming the daily bread of God's Word. And it's called daily bread for a reason, not weekly or monthly bread. For the truth of God's Word feeds life and, and vitality into our minds, and it renews them day by day by day, and so we need to con- We need to consume this word, read this word, meditate upon this word day by day. As Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 instructs us, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, listen to this, think about such things. Now, do any of those things sound to you like what comes on the six o'clock news? Whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? No. And so, where are we going to find things like that? We're going to find them in God's Word. We're going to find them as we meditate upon the treasures in God's Word. 
and think about such things, meditate about those things, learn to have God's word be the power that's going to be renewing our minds. And so as we feed our minds with God's word, and we learn to think about good and uplifting things about God and his truth and his work and his creation and his love, it is then that our minds are being renewed. It's combating all of the negative thinking and news and fear from the world, this dark world. And as we learn to feed ourselves with the good, it is the Holy Spirit who takes that good and he transforms us more and more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. In closing, I'll share with you a poem by Kate B. Wilkinson entitled, May the Mind of Christ My Savior. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day, by his love and power controlling all I do and say. May the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour, so that all may see I triumph only through his power. May the peace of God my Father rule my life in everything, that I may be calm to comfort, sick and sorrowing. May the love of Jesus fill me as the waters fill the sea, him exalting, self-abasing, this is victory. May I run the race before me, strong and brave to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. May his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win, and may they forget the channel, seeing only him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you today that there is a way, a real pathway to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, today we recognize that this dark world does have a hold on us. The pressure from this dark world around us is, is constantly being brought to bear on our lives, trying to get us to conform back into its image, into its pattern. But we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that by your presence within us, we now have the power to not only resist, but to continue to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. As our minds are renewed by the feeding upon the word and upon the truth and beauty of God's word and your work in this world, your creation, and that you would do a good work in us. And so I pray, Father, for myself, for everyone listening today, that you would continue this good work in us. Renew our minds as we keep in step with your spirit, as we learn to block out the garbage of the world and learn to feed only upon your word, that we will find our minds being renewed, our life and our vitality and everything being encouraged and uplifted once more. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do this in our lives, in our families, and in our church for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you richly, and Lord willing, we'll see you again next week. Take care.